We're glad to have you tonight. Thank you for joining us. And uh, get your Bible, open up. We're going to be spending some time in prayer here in a few minutes. And uh, we want to get into the Word a little bit. So um, I think our congregation kind of likes these prayer nights. <laughs> People have been uh, talking about it. So we're going to continue them over in 2020. Well, we're in 2023 already, but we're going to continue them. And uh, it just seems like, seems good. Seems good. Hallelujah. And so we welcome all of you by live stream. Let us know you're there. Comment, like, share, post, do all that stuff. And, and uh, tell, us, tell us how God's blessing you and helping you. Praise the Lord. And by the way, I, I got to say this. I don't know how else to sometimes do it. But thank you for the Christmas cards. There's people that send us Christmas cards that are watching live stream. So uh, that, that's uh, just a blessing to know that you're out there. You're being blessed and you're getting answers and help and fed and Amen. So thank you so much. Amen. So um, back in October at the end of the month, around, I don't know, the 25th or something like that, um, I was praying and uh, the Lord began to talk to me about something that concerning our church. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but he began to talk to me about a period of time to where there were, um, how, how do I say it? There, there were... There were other influences trying to get into the church. I'll just put it that way. Through some people that were new and, and, and had certain ideas and certain thinking along certain lines, you know, well, what, what about this? We should do this or, you know, so forth and so on. And, you know, I, I know people have good, uh, good hearts and good attentions, so I'm not, you know, that doesn't make me angry or anything. That just makes me know they need to be taught. And um, so we, we just gently were, you know, encouraging them about the, the uh, direction for the church and how it comes and so forth. But, um, but the Lord began to talk to me about it. I was up praying and the Lord began to talk to me about it. And uh, he began to talk to me about the unity of the church. And he began to talk to me about my responsibility as a pastor to keep wrong influences out. Now, not, not people, but wrong influences, you know. We're talking about the kind of thinking that people have, not necessarily people. God loves people and we love people and we want to be there. And, and you know, just like, you know, I, I, the people that uh, overlooked my thinking when I came into the things of God, they deserve an extra reward in heaven. I'm going to make that my first appeal at the throne of grace. I'm going to go, Jesus, can you bless them a little extra? Because they... <laughs> <laughs> they deserve it, but putting up with my thinking. But so, you know, you, you hear the way I say this. I'm not saying this, you know, upset or anything. I'm just saying that uh, he began to talk to me about the importance of the unity uh, of the congregation and the vision, unity around the vision and so forth and so on. And, and how leadership has that responsibility to keep wrong influences out. And, um, in the middle of those dealings, this is on the morning of October 25th, we, we hours, he said something to me that changed my thinking about some of this. He said something that kind of piqued my interest. It was kind of interesting that he said it, kind of interesting that he, that he saw, an, that, that he, uh, how should I say it, that he, well, I, I guess I don't think in these terms. Well, you know, I, it shows that I should have been thinking in these terms. But I just wasn't thinking in those terms at the moment, I guess. And maybe, maybe he's really getting my attention to help me think in these terms more often. He just simply said to me concerning the church here in, uh, you know, the time that we're in, in the body of Christ and the, and the place that we are here in Iowa. He said to me, and, and, and mind you, he was talking about the, the context of the unity of the church. How many of you know when it comes to pass, and, and, and it's happened in the book of Acts, you can see it in the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles 5, 20, and so forth. Or, no, that's, uh, anyway, it's over there in one of those books, certain places, certain one, certain place said. You ever read that in the Bible? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know right where it's at. I haven't even told you yet what it is, but I, you know right where it's at. Uh, but it says that... Uh, as they ministered to, it says that the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound. Yes. Yes. Suddenly. Yes. Yes. The, the Bible says the house was filled with a cloud. Yes. Yes. And in the New Testament, we see that as they were in one accord, in one place, suddenly. Uh, and you can see that, that unity gave place to the move of God, yes. the move of the Spirit. And so with, and that's what the Lord was talking to me about. 
you know, guarding the, the thinking, uh, guarding my thinking, because I don't know if you know it, maybe if you're sitting on that side of the pulpit, you don't know it as much as you do if you're standing back here. And that is that pastors get under pressure to do certain things to accommodate people. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that, that pastors are anti-people. It's just that the thinking for the, 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 the flow of the church and the direction of the church is not to come from the people. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. You understand? The body of Christ, the church, the local church, etc., is not a democracy. Now, that's bold. Maybe, maybe people don't like it that way. Churches have different kind of governments. I understand that. In, in, you know, you, you go into any church around America and check the government. They have all kinds of different kinds of government. But uh, I'm talking about the way God set up things in the New Testament. Uh, you know, I was preaching down in, um, oh, what was that anyway? A certain place in Iowa. I don't remember the name of the town. My wife probably remember when I tell the story. But um, they, were, they were between pastors, and somebody called, one of the deacon, or yeah, deacons, I think they were deacons, uh, called into the Rama Bible Training Center and said, is there anybody down there that uh, could come preach for us while we, while we find our new pastor? And then Newell. they found, huh? Newell. N- Newell, uh, Newell no, no, you're thinking of a different thing. Uh, this is down in Oklahoma. Uh, they, they wanted us to come <laughs> preach. Did I say Iowa? <laughs> Cushing, yeah, Cushing, Cushing, Oklahoma. Made a mistake when I was 17 years old one time, too. I don't know what that is. Second mistake. But, um, New, so not Newell, Cushing, Oklahoma. And uh, they found us and they said, Do you want to go? I said, Sure. You know, Brother Hagin said, if you're called to the ministry and the door opens, stick your foot in it. In other words, don't let that door go close, you know. So we went down there. We were preaching every Sunday. They wanted us to preach Wednesday nights too, but it, it didn't work for us on Wednesday nights. Um, but so we, uh, uh, we were there. And uh, basically, in the process of time, they started liking us. <clears throat> um, so they started thinking maybe we could be their pastor. And they started talking to us about it. And uh, by the way, we would go one Sunday and we had to stay at, you know, at, for lunch. We'd go to another, one deacon's house for lunch. And the next, uh, next Sunday, we had to go to another deacon's house because if, if one deacon, you know, felt like he was getting t- uh, too much of an inroad in, then the other deacon get jealous. I mean, there was a lot of competition between them, a lot, a lot of strife. Uh, if I told you the whole story, it'd be, you, y'all think it was amazing that somebody could act like this. But uh, so anyway, they kind of started liking us and somebody started mentioning about us being their pastor. And I said, uh, oh, I said, if, if we became your pastor, you wouldn't like us anymore. Because I didn't have any authority to deal with what was going on in the church as just a visiting guest. But if I became the pastor, I would take over. Because these unscriptural, unspiritual deacons, you know, need to be fired. Because the church was deacon possessed. You've heard of demon possessed. This one was deacon possessed. They had that thing. They had that thing. They had a hold of that thing. And actually, that's why the former, that's why the former two pastors had left. I said, no, you wouldn't like me anymore if I became your pastor. I said, because they said, why? I said, you'd have to fire all you deacons. I said, none of you qualify according to 1 Timothy chapter number three. None of you. You're all carnal. You're all competitive. You're just, you know. Anyway, so I don't know how I got on that story. But, um, huh? Yeah, there, there was, there was uh, just no unity there. And somebody, and the visions were all different. This deacon had a vision for the church going that way. That deacon had a church vision for the church going that way. Another deacon brought in a guy on Wednesday nights. He's, talking, he's preaching on roaring in the spirit on Wednesday nights. Yeah, that's what we all got to do. Get down and roar like a lion at the devil. And roar like a lion. So there's a lot of ideas. Which direction the church should go. Are we going to be the first roaring church of Cushing, Oklahoma? Or are we going to be, what are we going to be? No unity. And so the move of the spirit was tough. I mean, it's, it's like... 
preaching was like throwing a rubber ball and hit the back wall and come back and hit you between the eyes. I mean, you preach past 12, 1201, one third of the church would get up and walk out. 12 o'clock, God's done. He can't do anything after 12 o'clock. And I'm just telling you a little bit of the stuff that was going on. So anyway, I don't know how I got on that. That's a good story though, wasn't it? Now, uh, God dealt with me about this, this situation here in the more recent times, about the different influences that people, the different kind of thinking people had. Well, this ought to go this direction, this ought to go this direction. And uh, he began to deal with me, and he said to me, uh, concerning the move of God here in Iowa, he said, this church is the best opportunity I've had in Iowa for quite some time. That shook me. And uh, people can say, well, you know, I, I think you, I guess you think uh, you're the only ones. I didn't say that, nor did the Lord say that. He's not talking about the best opportunity to get people saved or, you know, whatever. He's talking about this one area of unity, concern around the move of the Spirit and an accurate move of the Spirit. There are churches in town that move with the Spirit, but they also have a mixture. I don't like to always talk about this. I don't talk about it. You hardly ever hear me talk about it because I'm not here to, you know, preach against anybody. We're, we're for anybody that's getting somebody saved. Amen. You're getting people saved, getting them filled with the Spirit, great. But, but also don't, don't, uh, don't preach wrong doctrine to them. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway... Why would he say such a thing? Because I don't think in those terms. You know, I don't think, well, you know, God can't. And, and listen, Jesus didn't say, or the Lord didn't say to me, I can't move unless you are, are the ones that move with me. He didn't say that. God, listen, you, you start thinking you're the only one God can use. God will prove to you he'll use whoever he wants to use. So I'm not talking about being proudful. I'm not talking about saying we're the only ones. I'm not talking about all that other stuff, the goofy stuff. I'm just simply saying what he said, and that is this is one of his best opportunities he's had for a long time. To have a real genuine move of the Spirit and not it get off. This church was prophesied. I don't know the date. I've got the notes at home. I might even have them in my iPad, but I don't want to look them up right now. Um, by a man of God in the move of God back in, I want to say the 70s? Was it the late 70s? This church was prophesied. Before it was even a thought in Pastor Tim Horton's mind or our mind. Pastor Tim Horton founded this church, if you're new here. Um, uh, and the, the, the man of God got up and spoke out by the Spirit and said, there's going to be a church raised up. And he described it, and you, you really wouldn't be able, you'd be hard-pressed to, to uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find another church that really it fits. Yes, yeah. In fact, the person that brought me the letter said, this was prophesied about Spirit of Faith Family Church. Amen. They had the recording of it. So God has been working. Amen. Amen. I said, God has been working here, endeavoring to prepare us for what he, how he wants us, how he wants to use us. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So why would he say something like that? Well, you know, before, before he said that, he was talking to me about guarding the unity uh, of, the, of the church around the move of the Spirit. Because these other influences that were wanting to get in, they were, they, they, it was natural thinking about doing things in the natural. You understand what I'm talking about? And I don't want to take time to get into all that, but uh, it was basically not a Spirit-led church. It was, going, it was to take the church a different direction. And so in the context of that, he said this, this church is the best opportunity I've had in Iowa for quite some time. In other words, to have that kind of a move. That's getting awfully quiet in here. You know, somebody said, well, pastor, you say God talks to you about it so much and you don't share a lot of it. That's the reason because you, you say things like this and people go, oh, yeah. Amen. So 
um, and then he, right before that, he had been reminding me of uh, what Dad Hagen said about Brother Goodwin. Pastor Goodwin was Brother Hagen's pastor, and he had uh, a great move of God, but they, had, they were growing beyond what they, the building had capacity to hold, and God never told them to move out or build a bigger building. And uh, Pastor Nancy asked Brother Hagen one time why. You've heard her talk about this. Why Brother Goodwin never, um, you know, built a bigger building. And um, Brother Hagin said, well, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he was landlocked. Number one, he couldn't build right there. But number two, uh, God didn't tell him to. But the Lord started talking to Pastor Nancy about why. Because they would have lost something in that move of the Spirit. And it was more important for God to have that move of the Spirit than it was to have more numbers. Because you can have more numbers and have less spiritual impact. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't, we're not interested in numbers. We're interested in unity. And if numbers dilutes the unity, then we're not interested. We're not going uh, to reach for something in the natural at the expense of spiritual unity. We've got to define success in the eyes of what God calls success, not what people think is success. <clears throat> I began to say a moment ago, there's a lot of pressure on ministers to do this, do that. You know, don't say what God's telling you to say because that might offend somebody. You know what I'm talking about? And he try, the, the devil tries to control pastors and ministers by fear and to get them to back off from the move of the Spirit. Amen. And uh, you don't realize that pressure because you're there and not here. But it's intense sometimes. So and so's in the crowd. Come on, come on. Well known in the city or something like that. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. But, but uh, that all is a test. The head of the church is watching to see if we'll obey God. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jesus, in the book of Revelation, the first three chapters, he was walking among, remember the vision John had, it's a long book and a lot, a lot of revelation, but in the first three chapters, God dictated to John three or, or letters to seven churches uh, to, to uh, give them. And he said, when Jesus appeared to dictate those letters, Jesus, uh, John had a vision of Jesus, a, a lampstand. Yeah of seven lamps, and one like the Son of Man walking among the lampstands. And the lampstands, the the, the vision came and the definition of what that meant was given in the vision. And the vision, the the definition was the lampstands were the local churches. And Jesus was walking amongst the local churches. In other words, he's checking out the troops. And he said to some of those churches that he, John dictated, I think there's mainly one of them, one or two of them, that John dictated that letter by the Spirit to him. He said, you better obey me in this or I'll remove your lampstand. How did he know that? He had been walking, he had been to their services. Jesus had been to their services. He was walking amongst the churches. Some of you might remember way back, this is probably 15 years ago, Jesus came and stood in the air right here, and, 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 ch- and I didn't know what he was there for. And I'm like, what am I to do? And nothing. No, no, no direction. Do this, do that. Just conduct the service. And I went home, I said, Lord, what was that all about? And, I, and he said, I was checking out the troops. I was checking out the church. I wanted to see the condition of the church. Yeah. I wanted to see if you're ready to go on or not. Yeah. Right. Boy, I hit the floor. I said, how did we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you say, Pastor Jay, you making these things up? Absolutely not. You know, if you lie, you fry. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So I'm just telling you, we got to take these things seriously. So in the context of what he said, he's talking to me about uh, protecting the the, uh, unity of the body and protecting the unity around the move of the spirit. He was talking to me, reminding me of what the Lord said to Pastor Nancy about Dr. Goodwin or Pastor Goodwin. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. If you don't remember, go back to the Fredonia revelation. Yes, and so um, it was as if he was saying to me as the pastor of the church, he was saying to me about this opportunity, I, this, you're, you're my opportunity to move this way. He was trying to tell me, guard that, yes. protect that. Yes. You understand what I'm talking about? Yes, so he can have his way and fulfill his plan here. His plan is a greater move of the Spirit. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 You know, you got you to gotta just sometimes acknowledge certain things. God can't move in every church like he wants to. I didn't say that uh, they couldn't make adjustments and he yeah. couldn't, yeah. that he could move, yeah. but based on the way they have their programs, their plans, and they, they, they got, you know, don't, don't even, the Holy Ghost moving, just shut that down. Come on. Come on. God really can't move in this way like he wants to everywhere. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. So he's trying to tell me, protect what I need to have in order to move this way. Protect the unity of the body. Protect it from wrong influences getting in. Yeah. That's good. You know, like let's have a raffle and raffle off a car uh -huh. and that'll yeah. bring a bigger crowd. Yeah. Come on. All kinds of things people yeah. think. Yeah. 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 Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, and then you, you compromise yeah. and you get a larger crowd. You know, uh, Buddy Harrison made the statement. I don't know if you know who Buddy Harrison is. He is Brother Hagin's son-in-law. Buddy Harrison made the statement. He said, uh, you, whatever you get them with, you've got you to use that to keep them. You get them with something natural and then you try to switch on them and then start to, you know, now we're going to usher in this move of the spirit. That's not what they're there for. That's not what they're hungry for. Amen. You've got division in the church, even though it, you don't see it yet. You got some that are hungry for the move of yeah, God, yeah. and then you got some that are just there for the next car. I don't see if I can get me a, maybe, maybe okay, it won't be a car, but then maybe next month it'll be a snowmobile. I'm just saying something. You got, you know, looking at me funny. I'm preaching a little different tonight. And so God, he was saying to me, protect that unity so I can have my way and fulfill my plan concerning the move of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so um, I asked the Lord some things about the church in that place in the spirit where he was talking to me. And then I asked him about some things concerning the daycare. I said, is this the reason the daycare hasn't grown more? He said, yes, but not in the way you think. He said, I have not led you to open up to hiring people from outside too much. Because that would dilute the influence of the leadership in the daycare. Right, that right. would dilute, you know, be different visions, people with different. Yeah. And so he said, uh, uh, the, the, well, I'll just read it like he said here. I asked him about the daycare. He said, I asked him, I said, is that the issue with the growth of the daycare? He said, yes, but not in regards to the number of children that come. The issue is the unity of the staff. He said, I haven't led you to relax your standards on the staff that you hire because I want to play a place I can move by my spirit and unity is important to that place being created. Huh? He wants a uh, children's healing center. He wants, he wants places where ADHD or what are all those DDs, Ds, XYZs, all those are healed. Yes, sir. A place where kids can, can live and have, have peace during the daytime told me it was a children's healing center. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 You see, we could hire just sinners, bring them in here, have more staff, get more kids. But what would happen to the anointing? Huh? See, we got to think about these things. But uh, creating a place of unity where God can move as he wishes is more important than larger numbers. Are you listening to me? And so he needs a place that accommodates him. God needs a place in this city that accommodates him. He needs a place that they're not just thinking about the people. Well, aren't you thinking about people? Yes, to a degree, but not ahead of God. You know what I'm talking about? We endeavor to keep it comfortable in here, not too warm, not too cold. 
We're, we're thinking about some things. Amen. Amen. And I've kind of bowed out of that unless it just looks like, it feels like you're in, you know, you're hanging meat in here or something. <laughs> or actually, it's usually the other way around. Feels, feels like we're in the tropics or something. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? See, that's not something that accommodates God or doesn't accommodate God. But I'm just talking about there are certain influences that, that, that come here that they are, the people are welcome. We love them. They're welcome here because we all come in with our, we need our mind renewed. And uh, sometimes people come in and they need their mind renewed in this area about the unity of the move of the spirit and not just doing this or relaxing that or, you know, going this direction or whatever. Uh, you're still glad you came tonight. And so uh, we don't want to accommodate people's fleshly desires or their carnal thinking at the expense of the move of God. Amen. We want to accommodate God. Let's put it this way. We want to accommodate the God who meets the needs of the people. This needs to be a place. Uh, In fact, we've had doctors say this to people. Uh, we've had a couple of reports and can tell you a couple of times. Doctors have said, well, you know, go down there to that church. That's what we want. A place that has a reputation. Listen, if you can't receive it from, from God anywhere else, you can get it from, by going down there. I didn't say God likes us and doesn't like them. I'm just simply saying God needs people to accommodate him. I didn't say those for other folks at other places don't love God. They love God. In fact, it's probably their, their, uh, their uh, t- tamping down of certain things or whatever. Uh, it's probably their desire to reach people that causes them to do that. But see, you can, desire, you can have the right motive and still be distracted by wrong thinking. Absolutely. And so you, you got to understand, I'm not looking at, I'm not, I'm not God. I can't look at people's motives. They're probably trying to help people and reach people, but they're sacrificing something they don't realize they're sacrificing. Yes. Uh, they're, they're, and that's too high an expense for me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You see, I got to go, go home at night, lay down on the pillow and have a clear conscience. Yes, you know, like one pre- preacher friend of mine said, I don't want to go back to the hotel. He's a traveling preacher. I don't want to go back to the hotel and God called me a wimp because I didn't do what he told me to do. Yeah, praise the Lord. So Debbie and I have always been committed to providing a place where God is accommodated so that the needs of the people can be met. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We've had, I think now nine or 10, I think it's now 10 people healed of uh, cancer, some of them terminal cancer. And we're on another one right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, people are starting to get a little bit of an idea about this church. Praise God. So, you know, in the last days we're living in, there's going to be a lot of needs uh, and situations that become drastic because of the days we're living in. Needs that are, you know, drastic needs. So God needs a place that's already in the flow where that that kind of power can meet drastic needs. Amen. 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 And so um, these things have to be thought about. Why am I sharing it with you? Because we have to be in unity about this. I feel the tug sometimes by people in the crowd. Sometimes people have been here a long time. I've even felt it from staff. But we are not budging from the the vision of the move of the Spirit. Just because some haven't tasted it and don't know what's necessary to have it doesn't mean that we accommodate that. I've been there where, where because of the move of God, you stand in line outside the door for three hours just to get in and get a fairly decent seat. Amen. People in Iowa don't know what that's about. Never seen that. Why would you stand in line? My God. I mean, if you can't get a parking spot, just forget it. Go home. That's not hunger. Why aren't they hungry? Because nothing's moving there. Exactly. Yes, sir. Well, praise the Lord. And so, uh, 
we don't want to be more people conscious. We want to be presence conscious. We want to accommodate God's presence. Uh, anybody here wants to help us in that? And uh, we, want to, we want to guard how we define success. Because there's a lot of worldly thinking in the church about what success is. Tell me I'm preaching all right. Um, for us, God getting his way is success. If, if we have great plans and great programs and everything like that, but God's not getting his way, that's a failure to me. Are you still there? Yes, sir. And so uh, we can have a measure of his presence or we can have a deeper measure of his presence. <clears throat> I want the weighty, the thick, the heavy, the, the, the uh, you can't crawl out of the, the auditorium kind of thing. And, and it, in fact, it's so strong, nobody wants to. Come on, somebody. I, I want to see what I saw in a vision. I want to see wheelchairs lined up back there. Hallelujah. I want to see that. I, I, I'm, I'm believing, reaching for that. But that doesn't happen by continuing as we've been continuing. It happens by contending for more. Amen. And so... Uh, we want the deepest measure, the richest measure. You ever read that in the Amplified? The richest measure of the divine presence. And so where even people that even don't even know, you know, baby Christians, they're not even sure what it is they hunger for or what they desire until they get in the presence that is in this church. Or any church. Any church can have this. I'm not saying it has to be the church, but I'm simply saying we're, we're here, so we're responsible for here. We're contending for it here. Um, until they get into that, they don't even know what they need. But they get into it and they go, that's what I need. That's my answer. This is my answer right here. Found it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 3.16. This is the Amplified. Y'all glad you came tonight? This is what we want to be praying about. Hallelujah. Divine interruptions of the presence. The presence and anointing. Hallelujah. Thank you for your enthusiasm about it. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Notice, I mean, without his presence, I don't want to continue. Are you saying it because you're discouraged? I didn't say that. I'm just simply saying, what's the use? Just another church. Amen. Amen. Here's 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple? Look at that. The whole church at Corinth, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. How many of you know the Holy Ghost lives right on the inside of each one of us? He, individually, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. But here he said, this truth can be applied to the local church as well, to where that forms a, a, a corporate spiritual house. Yes. Remember, the Bible said, we are living, you are living stones, build up a spiritual house. Mm -hmm. Each one individually has the presence of God. They, he, he lives on the ins inside of all of us if we're born again. But then he said, we come together, we, we, form, we, we, we become a stone in the wall, and we form a corporate house. Yes. <clears throat> Why? For him to inhabit that corporately. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, now, I want you to see something here. Uh, he said, his, King James here, I mean, Amplified actually is what I'm reading. God's temple, his sanctuary, that God's spirit has his pre permanent dwelling in you. Look at this. To be at home in you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I read that for years and never really realized what he's saying. He's talking about the local church. Yes, he's talking about God feeling at home there. You ever gone to a place and you didn't feel at home? But at other places you feel at home. In other words, you're comfortable. You put up your feet. You know, you know they don't care. Even if you go to the refrigerator and say, what's in here? They say, help yourself to anything that's there. 
Brother Hagin had that. He had Doc, Doc and Jerry Horton. Doc, Doc and Jerry Horton were friends of Brother Hagin. They had, uh, you know, they were about, I don't know, about the same age, something like that. But uh, Jerry was a good cook. Uh, Brother Hagin liked to eat. I mean, everybody anointed I've ever known likes to eat. <laughs> but he said, uh, and Jerry had a garden. She always grew vegetables, all that stuff. And so Brother Hagin, they, they got so, uh, you know, so uh, at home around each other and family-like that Brother Hagin would just from time to time, he'd come over and knock on the door and just see if they were there, see if he could eat with them. And they weren't home, so he'd just walk in. He'd just raid the refrigerator. Go out in the garden and pick some vegetables. Tell him later he had become. <laughs> Hallelujah. I got a verse for you. The Bible said, go and do thou likewise. Do that. <laughs> anyway, I'm just having fun. But, but, but see, he, why? He felt at home there. Amen. He didn't do that everywhere. He didn't feel like he wasn't comfortable doing that everywhere. But there, they demonstrated the, the family, the, 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 he was welcome there. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, he went to heaven eating breakfast with them. Yes, he did. Just like he had said for years he was going to do. He said, I'll tell you how I'm going to die. He said, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to get me a bowl of cereal with cherry, or a stra- or bowl of strawberries, excuse me, a bowl of strawberries. I'm going to eat my strawberries and I'm just going to give up the ghost. <gasps> and that's exactly what he did. Amen. Eating God. with Doc and Jerry Horton. Eating a bowl of strawberries, just like that, and slumped over on Miss Aretha. Passed on to heaven. He felt at home there. Hallelujah. Well, let's look at this. It says, the Holy Ghost, he's basically saying, wants to feel at home. He doesn't feel at home everywhere. Are you still glad you came tonight? And so... uh, you know, I get around people that I'm comfortable with, and they get more out of me. They're, they're comfortable. They know me. They know I might get over in the spirit and start praying, you know, whatever. But there's certain people I'm not comfortable with like that. Because they think I, you know, grew a second head or something, you know, just look at you like, well, you're like a monster. You're weird. Well, I'm not at home. But other places I am. Get around them, just whatever the Holy Ghost says. And they're all fine with it. Go, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it right now. Praise yeah. God. Let's pray. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Y'all still understand what I'm talking about. Yes, God is the same way. Yeah. He doesn't, and the Holy Ghost is the same way. He doesn't feel at home everywhere. And so there are flows that don't come out of him everywhere. Yes, sir. Are, are you still glad you came? Yes. He wants to feel welcome. Yes, and we should make want to make God feel welcome. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's not, it shouldn't be like the Holy Ghost is wanting to do some things and then, you know, nobody ever looked to him. Nobody ever checked to see, you know, we, we, him, him moving was an afterthought. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't something that we were really thinking much about. We we're just enjoying each other's company. And that's, that's part of a local church, isn't it? Enjoying one another's company. But did God get his way? Did he feel at home? Maybe we are comfortable around one another. Is he comfortable around us? Does he like our services? Does he like the way we all unite in our services? Does he feel at home? I think it's something we ought to be thinking about. We don't want him to feel like he's just, uh, you know, an intruder, but he's the main guest. I said, he's the main guest. Actually, the word Holy Ghost is from, the the word ghost is from an old German word that means, it used to mean guest. He's the Holy Guest. Well, when you have a guest, do you just sort of, you know, sit them down and then you go out and you mow your grass or whatever? No. Huh? We're, we're, we're just thinking about some yeah. things tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 I, I feel like, <clears throat> feel like my friend, you know, just talking. Yeah. Dr. Jacobs, just talking. <laughs> Amen. This is more like a talk tonight. Amen. Uh, so uh, that's why, that's what we want here. Him to feel at home. 
Now, Ephesians, I didn't write this verse down, but there's a verse in Ephesians. This is in the Amplified. Maybe if somebody has the Amplified, they can look up the word habitation. I believe it's the end of the second chapter that he's forming, he's building this house for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Somebody maybe can get that reference. Ephesians 2 something, is that right? 2 what? 22. Ephesians 2, 22. Is that the Amplified? Or is it King James actually maybe? Talks about the habitation of God through the Spirit. King James has got habitation. Habitation. Yeah, King James has habitation. So a habitation is not something that, a habitation is not a visitation. No, it's not. If I come to your house for Thanksgiving, I visit it. But if I'm in and out of there every day, using your bedroom, using a shower, getting stuff out of your refrigerator, that's called a habitation. <laughs> right? And so we're, that's what we need to go for. Not a visitation, but a habitation. Just something like when we walk into the building, there it is again. Yes, we take it with us. We understand that. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not, that, that's a whole other side of this. Now. Tonight I'm preaching about our local service, our, our, our corporate services. Amen. I had a, uh, uh, I heard a minister say this recently. He said, uh, he came up in Pentecost. His grand, his daddy was a pastor. His granddaddy was, a, uh, his, uh, yeah, his, his daddy, his grandfather was a pastor and his great grandfather was a pastor. <clears throat> I think his great grandfather had some interaction back there in the days of Azusa Street. So he's got quite a heritage. And he said his, uh, his dad would tell stories, and he heard something from his granddad, but they especially talked about the days of his great-granddad and some of the miracles that he had, because he's a Holy Ghost man. And uh, he'd, listen, he'd sit and listen to these stories. This, this minister was telling this story. He'd sit and listen to these stories, and... Uh, he said, this man, he's maybe in his 60s today. He said, uh, he asked his dad, before his dad went to heaven, of course, now, but he asked his dad, he said, you're telling me all these stories. And he said, yeah. He said, uh, well, what happened? Mm-hmm. He said, I haven't seen any of these things. Wow. Huh? Yes. His dad said, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. He said, back then, he said, we just fo- followed the Spirit. He said, uh, and if you know anything about Pentecostals, they uh, were not, they, they were shunned by the rest of the body of Christ. They were, the rest of the, the, rest of the denominations uh, basically looked down their nose at them as uneducated, simple, you know. And uh, the, the, his, this man's dad said to him, Here's exactly what happened. He said, we used to move with the Holy Ghost and, and regardless of, you know, what theology said you should do or whatever, you know, denominationals groups. And uh, he said, we'd have some of the most outstanding miracles. He said, but the, the ministers began to get tired of, in, in that day, began to get tired of being referred to as the uneducated people, the, the, you know, the end of the tracks, the other side of the tracks kind of church. Now listen to me. And he said, so we, uh, uh, he said, number two things started happening. He said, our churches weren't that big. He said, we get tremendous miracles, but we didn't have like the denominational church in town. They'd have thousands, but we wouldn't have thousands. We'd have a hundred or maybe 200, 250 or something like that. And he said, because the rest of the church world looked down their noses at us. Because, you know, we were sort of uncouth. We, we weren't, uh, you know, proper. We didn't do it the way they did it. You understand what I'm talking about? Just listen very carefully. You get some answers. And he said, so uh, there became a, a, amongst the past, you know, Pentecostal pastors, there became a desire to have bigger churches. So that they would have recognition in the community. Wouldn't just have a little stick frame down by the, by the tracks. They'd have a big brick building. I mean, you know, like everybody else. I mean, we, we upstanding in the community now. Now, there's nothing wrong with a big brick building. But at what expense are you going to get that brick, big brick building? You got to hear the way I'm saying this and not throw it out and say, well, he's, he's anti-growth or anything like that. No, I'm, I'm anti-growth where the spirit leaves. 
That's, I'm not interested. The anointing's not there. You can have it. In fact, I'll give it to you for a penny. Amen. In fact, I'll pay you to take it from me. Amen. Pastor's preaching different tonight. But uh, he said, we got interested in numbers. In other words, we got our attention on what can we do to not have this kind of stigma and this kind of reputation. And so they just sort of tap down or tamp down the move of the spirit. So, so they wouldn't be, you look down, other groups wouldn't look down their noses at them. That was the first thing. And the second thing was they were looked upon as un, uneducated people. Well, these are just simple folks. You know, we, we, we have our degrees, our doctorates. You know, the preachers and the denominations all had their degrees and doc- nothing wrong with a d- degree or a doctorate unless you lose the anointing over getting it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You understand? We're not yeah. preaching against all that unless you lose the anointing. Right. Yes, sir. Yes. Come on. I had some of my friends. I'm just, I, I don't even know. Dear Lord, I'm... Some of my friends, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, 10 or 15 years ago, they all started saying, well, I'm going to get my doctorate. I'm going to get my doctorate. I kind of felt like, you know, well, maybe I should get a doctorate or something like that. I went to prayer about it and the Lord said, just, he said, if you, he said, if I want you to have one, I'll bless you with one. You don't need to do all that mental study. I said, fine with me. I don't need anybody in this city to call me Dr. Eberle. Dear God. But that was the second thing that the, the, his father, this man's father, told him. He said the second thing was because we were looked down upon and we didn't have any education, that the higher ups in the, in the Pentecostal movement said, why don't you pastors start getting some doctorates and getting some degrees? And they would tell them which university to go to. And they're all those secular denominational universities that just rip God right out of your heart. Right, rip, rip your faith right out from under yeah, you. Come on, yeah. And tell you do this, don't do that, uh-huh. and here's how to get a crowd and all come this on, stuff. Yeah. And he said that's what he said. That was in the '50s that that all started. And he said this, this man's dad told him all this. He said I watched our churches from the '50s over into the '70s. He said all of them died on the vine. Why? God, Jesus removed their candlestick. Huh? Years ago, I had a vision of uh, the oracles of God being carried through the earth. Have I shared this? Huh? And so uh, the Lord was just, was just dealing with me the other day. I want you to share more of what happens, what things you've seen, the things I've said to you. So I'm going to share some more. The oracles of God. And in prayer, I said, what is that? What is that? And we were praying in the Holy Ghost, and it was as if there was this instrument. Now, I, I, spiritual things are difficult to understand sometimes, they're difficult to describe. It looked, like, it looked like an instrument, like a trumpet, but yet on the other hand, it looked like a, uh, a burning. I, I, it's difficult to describe. But um, it, was, it, was on, it was carried about through the earth on a platform by angels. And I guess it possibly could be what Ezekiel saw. I don't know if you've ever read about Ezekiel's. He said, I saw the Lord hand lifted up and talks about what he saw. And there was these creatures underneath the platform carrying <clears throat> something from God around, you know. Yes, but I saw that and I was like, Lord, what is that? And we were praying and it came out, the oracles of God, the oracles of God. And it was, it was amazing. I don't have time to go into it all, but it was carried by angels to a place in the earth. And there in that place, maybe a city or something, and there in that place, the oracles of God were looking for somebody, and the angels were helping to find somebody. The oracles of God represent the message that God has for the earth, the message God has for a city, what he wants preached there, what he wants somebody to declare there. And that message would look, that, that those oracles are looking for somebody and whoever would take up the message that heaven once declared, they're the ones that got the oracles and they're the ones that got the anointing. And they even got the help of the angels. But then sometimes those oracles would, somebody would, would yield to them for a while, but then they would get off on a different message. 
Now we're going to preach leadership. Now we're going to preach church growth. Now we're going to preach something else, psychology. Tell me I'm preaching all right. How about, how about what's popular today? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. And, and get off of the message. Yeah. And the oracles would pick up and leave and go somewhere else. They would lose the oracles. They would lose the message. And, and Dr. Dufresne, he would, this happened to him a lot. Uh, he would go into a city for the first time he's there, and he'd be there preaching, and he'd say, wait, 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 I see it, I see it. He said, and he's looking down through a quarter of time, and he's seeing history past, not history future, history, history past. And he would see the, the spiritual history, not the natural history, the spiritual history of that city. And he said, there was a church here back in so many number of years ago, back in the 20s or something like that. And there was a move of God here. It was on this side of town. And he'd see the whole thing. He's a prophet. He's seeing over into the realm of the spirit. And he said, they had the move of God. And he said, the, 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 they had the message for the era they were in. And he said, and this happened. I could tell you, friends, I could tell you who they are. That he'd get, Dr. Frank get in their church one of the first time he'd get there. And he'd say, and this happened in this era. And he said, but then they went on a different direction. They started preaching another message. And he said, uh, then the oracles, uh, no, he called it the lampstand. He said, God removed their lampstand. And he said, then the lampstand would come over to another church. And he said, that lamp, they would take up the message and they would preach what God was saying, what heaven was saying. Rather than man's opinions and man's ideas and man's sermons and man's doctrines. And he said, then that, the, the, he called it the lampstand. That's what he kept calling it. The lampstand. And then that, that, that would be of the church that's on fire. And they were the ones that God was speaking through mostly, the clearest in that city. And then he would say, and he would describe these things. And I, I've got pastor friends. I, I'm thinking of one right now that Dr. Frank came into church and that happened. And then the, Dr. Frank said, and now that, that church, they, they went a different direction and they're preaching a different message. And now the lampstand has moved to this church. And he said, guard the message. Don't change the message. And that pastor, is one, this one I'm thinking of right now is a real good friend of mine. He said, you, you would be absolutely amazed at how accurate that was. He said, I know the history of the city. I know the eras. I know what God tried to do in this city and even began to do in this city regarding the move of God. He began it in that search, just like Dr. Frayne saw it. Dr. Frayne hadn't been here before. He don't know anything about this city. And in the natural. But it was revelation knowledge. Amen. And so he said, uh, he said, I know the actual history. I, I've studied it all out. I talked to the pastors in town. What, what's the history of the move of God here? You know, I searched it out here too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's very little spiritual history of a move of God here. I'm just telling you the truth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, but uh, and that pastor would tell me, he said, it's absolutely amazing. He said, he's exactly right. It was in that part of town, just like Dr. Frank prophesied. And they had a great move of God, many signs and wonders and miracles and, and people getting saved, a lot of things happening. And then they got off on certain things, got off on other doctrines and so forth. And that church just dwindled, just shriveled, just died. And another church popped up in another part of town. And it, and it took off. He said, just like Dr. Frayne saw it. Just like if he said, and I can tell you pastors, I got, I'm thinking of another one right now over in Indiana. Same thing happened. He prophesied about a move of God that was there. And, and uh, what was her name? Uh, oh, uh, not Mari Mariah Woodworth Edder had actually been there. Dr. Frayne didn't know that. But he said, I see a great big tent outside of town. Back in the history, back in the day. He said, there was a move of God. Said, Mariah Woodworth Edder had been there and had a great revival, had a big old tent. Amen. Amen. See, these things are real, folks. Yeah, we got to realize who we are. Yes, come on. Come and not compromise. Yes, not compromise. I've been needing to say this because of some of the influences trying to get in. Praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. The lampstand has come to this church. We're not going to move with other things. We're moving with the lampstand. We're going to move with the oracles. Amen. God needs an opportunity in every city. He's looking to move in every city. Praise the Lord. Stand up with me. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I don't know why. I sure would like to see a church of a thousand people, Pastor. I believe God wants a church of a thousand people. But he wants it developed on the right foundation, yes, and he wants us to stay with that yes, foundation. Amen. Yes. 
I was told, I don't know, I don't know if this is right or not, but I, I know it. The, the principle that's being shared is true. I was told that, because uh, I don't know the history of it, I got to have to go back and search it out, but that there was never more than 75 people in the Azusa Street Revival on any one night. I've heard other reports. I thought it was a little more than that. But anyway, the point is, it wasn't multitudes of tens of thousands of people or 5,000, even 1,000 people. It wasn't anywhere close to that. But the impact. Huh? The spiritual impact on the world marked this planet. That's what I want. Impact. Spiritual impact. Hallelujah. 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 And uh, we, we try to build a foundation on something else and then try to switch. Uh, you know, you got it. Whatever you get them with, you're going to have to keep them with. There was a church, Pastor Debbie and I were down at a luncheon. We were down in uh, Alabama at a luncheon years and years ago. We were still traveling. Didn't, weren't, weren't here, Pastor. But we were at a pastor's luncheon. And uh, they were all in the luncheon. And I'll just be honest, folks. This is one reason we just pulled out. They're all talking, that's where they all went. They're all talking about, okay, now we don't want to offend anybody. We'll just kind of preach Baptist messages. I mean, they didn't say it that way, but that's what they were saying. Uh -huh. We'll just preach these little watered down things and we'll get a crowd and then we'll switch and we'll move with the Holy Ghost. Oh, wow. Pastor Debbie and I sat there thinking uh, the same thing when we got in the car and we talked to We said, well, we're going to watch that because that, yeah. church, that church won't last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll try to make that switch and they'll, they got to switch. They get, now, now they've got a split in the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what happened. Actually, the pastor within a few months got found out to be in sin. All right. And the church just dis dissolved and is, it, it, it's not there anymore. Wow. Amen. 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 I don't know. I don't just preach this way a lot, but I think it's time that we say some things again. Dr. Dufresne said it bold. We're going to say some things real bold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a word and spirit church. Word and Holy Ghost Church. If the Holy Ghost wants us to run around the auditorium, we'll run around the auditorium. Hallelujah. If he wants somebody to be healed, we'll just lay hands on them and minister healing power to them. If he wants a devil cast out, we'll cast the devil out. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. I said, glory be to God. Somebody said, well, what, why does that have to, why does, why does a church that moves that way have to stay? It doesn't have to stay small. It's just that not everybody's hungry for that. But what does God want? I said, what does God want? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is a church of unity around the move of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yes, we're united around the word, but we're united around the move of the spirit. Praise God. And just like it takes, Brother Hagin used to say, uh, preparation time's never wasted time. And he was talking about individually, God preparing people for ministry, so forth and so on. But that's true about a church. It might take time to get a church into unity, and then it might take time to get that flow going in that church. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. But that time of ministering to get that church united and get that flow going, yeah. no, long, no matter how long it takes, is not wasted time. That is not years of ministry that were unfruitful. Jesus prepared 30 years to minister three years in the Holy Ghost. 30 years of preparation, three years of manifestation. And he got more done in three years than most ministers all put together get done in 300 years. Hallelujah. 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 This is the heart of God. This is the heart of God for Spirit of Faith Family Church. I said it's the heart of God for Spirit of Faith Family Church. Israel fell into a trap. They wanted to be like everybody else. They said, we want a king. See, that was the cultural fad. That was the flow of everybody else. That's the way the world did it. They said, we want to be like the world. We want to be accepted. We, want, we don't want a, 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 a theocracy. 
We want a, we want a king. Remember, God sent, or Samuel went to God and said, well, what about this? He said, that's not my plan for Israel. Right? We got to know what the plan is and stick with the plan. I don't care if I'm like everybody else. People say, you're different. And I say, well, at least we're scriptural. What makes thee to differ from another? I mean, if you're different, you might be scriptural. <laughs> Hallelujah. I found out something. People, they criticize you until they get in need. They get in need and they call, well, well, would you pray for me? They know where their help is. Come somebody say amen, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Hagin said, I mean, excuse me, Dr. Frayne said there's four kinds of dirt. Four kinds of dirt. And he said, you need to accommodate the kind of dirt that's going to produce something. Amen. So we're here to accommodate people that are really hungry, that really want to produce something. Uh, and not just, uh, not just uh, produce activity, but produce fruit that remains. Hallelujah.